Hello and welcome to Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. We're studying through the Daily Bible edited by F. Lagarde Smith. Great daily Bible reading tool. If you have not shared uh, my enthusiasm for that book, I hope that you'll give it a try. If you've always wanted to read through the Bible in a year or to read through the Bible in your life, uh, that's a great guide with very helpful hints, although they're not too much so that it doesn't uh, cause you to lose track of the of the uh, reading itself. Um, I've been away for a while, as you know. Hopefully you enjoyed the pictures of our kids and grandkids as we enjoyed some special family time uh, last week in Nashville, Tennessee. Beautiful, beautiful town, beautiful area of the country. Middle Tennessee is just lovely. And, uh, and we enjoyed that uh, very, very much. We were blessed to spend time with our family, which we never get to get together, all of us. And we were for several days, and that was quite a quite a great blessing. Um, but now we're back, and uh, part of being back is doing these wonderful Facebook studies on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. I show them live on my Facebook page. If you're watching live, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, if you are watching a little bit later on my Facebook page or at one of our other sites, welcome to you as well. We have it on our West Irwin Facebook pages, West Irwin Church of Christ and West Irwin Live. And you can see all of our services on the West Irwin Live page. Also on our website, westirwin.com. And uh, that's Irwin with an E, R-W-I-N.com. And then you find the, uh, um, the uh, social media pages that tell us, uh, that take you to our live streaming page. And that's where uh, you'll find our services live on Sundays and during the summer on Wednesday nights with our summer series, except not this Wednesday night, tonight, tomorrow night we're having a devotional. But the last two weeks, the last two Wednesday nights, we'll have uh, really good messages. Steve Holliday next week will be speaking on sexuality and sexual morality using the story of Joseph as his jumping off place in our series, Risk Takers, Putting Your Faith on the Line. And then I'll close our series out the last Wednesday night of this month uh, with a uh, with the one who took the biggest risks of all and had the greatest faith of all. And, of course, that would be our Savior, Jesus of Nazareth. Looking forward to that, but also looking forward today to continuing this study. Uh, I hope you've been keeping up with the readings. You've been reading a lot from Jeremiah, haven't we? A lot about the difficult preaching that Jeremiah had to uh, offer. We remember the passage we looked at a couple of weeks ago from Jeremiah 20 when he says, that's it, I quit. I'm not going to talk any more about this because every time I speak the message of the Lord, I get in trouble and people try to hurt me and kill me. So I'm going to stop. But he says, his word is in my heart like a burning fire and shut up in my bones and I can't, I can't hold it in any longer. And that's the way we should all feel about the word of God that is a fire inside of our hearts uh, it's a great, great statement, and Jeremiah continues on for all of those years, um, several decades, speaking the word of God until the destruction of uh, Jerusalem is at hand, and he is stolen away, against his will, by the way, to Egypt. But that's long ahead still. I do want us to talk a little bit about uh, where we are right now. We've been uh, reading some from Jeremiah. We've uh, begun reading some from Daniel. And uh, also, we're beginning to read from Ezekiel, and we'll be reading about Ezekiel uh, these, this week, starting out, and uh, I'll share a little bit more about Ezekiel in the first part of his uh, journey uh, this coming Thursday. But today, I want us to look at this prophet Daniel 
and the great book that bears his name, the book of Daniel, is one of those great books. Joyce remembers um, sitting at home with her at her grandparents' home and her and her grandfather, Papa, coming and bringing out that big family Bible and and uh, turning to the page where there were pictures of Daniel in the lion's den, and he would tell her that that story, and they would read together one of her greatest greatest memories. And um, uh, and so we're going to get to that, but not for a while. Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the fiery, fiery furnace, that story. Uh, that, that's uh, later on in the book of Daniel as far as timing goes. Daniel is there for the, uh, the whole time, pretty much, of the Babylonian captivity. Um, doubtful that he comes back with the exiles, but uh, he's there. And so uh, let's talk for just a moment about kind of setting the stage a little bit. Uh, Jeremiah has been talking about it, Habakkuk. We looked at Habakkuk two weeks ago and uh, Habakkuk prophesying as a contemporary with Jeremiah to the southern kingdom of Judah and the area of Jerusalem and telling them, hey, you better repent or God's going to destroy this place. And then by the time we get to Habakkuk, God says, I made up my mind. It's done. The Babylonians are going to come and they're going to carry my people away. And Habakkuk has a real problem with that until, of course, God tells him, look, my righteous ones uh, will live by faith. And we find that passage, that incredible statement for the first time in the book of Habakkuk. And, um, and we studied that and looked at that great story and the, that great preaching from one of God's great prophets uh, bringing a very hard message, hard for himself to, to accept, uh, much less his hearers. Jeremiah the same, uh, Jeremiah preaching uh, to the uh, Israelites in the southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem, and the kings after Josiah were very unfaithful, and uh, ultimately God makes up his mind, and the time for repentance is over. But Jeremiah is continuing to preach and tell the story, look, it's, it's done, it's time to surrender because this is not going to go well for us. And just as that would be a very unpopular message for us today, it was a very unpopular message uh, for uh, the people of Jeremiah's day. So uh, let's talk about this. The, um, the, the uh, exile happens actually in stages. It happens in three major stages where the Babylonians come in and take some of the people away into captivity until finally they breach the walls of Jerusalem itself and destroy them, destroy Solomon's temple and David's, uh, the palace that David designed and Solomon built and uh, carry the majority of the people away into captivity. But first of all, they begin in 605 BC. The dates, of course, are approximate. But 605 BC is what we call the first deportation. And uh, the king of Babylon comes in and takes away the best of the people of Judah, including Daniel and his uh, three friends. And Daniel is taken captive along with the king of Judah at Jehoiakim, and they're taken to, uh, to uh, Babylon. And, uh, and that's where really the story of Daniel begins that we'll see in just a moment. That's in 605 B.C. And then... Uh, several years later, in 597 B.C., the great deportation occurs where the majority of those who are left uh, are taken into captivity, including the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel go then, and he'll receive his prophecies also while in exile. 
And uh, one of the most interesting prophecies of Ezekiel is uh, he sees this vision of uh, the city of Jerusalem being destroyed when it's happening far away in his homeland while he is exiled in Babylon. Well, then ultimately in 586 BC, Jerusalem is destroyed. The walls are breached. Uh, the temple and the palace are destroyed. The, the king is killed and his uh, children are killed in front of him before he is. It's a horrible, horrible story. And uh, we're going to be reading about that in a couple of weeks. But we have to build up to that, first of all. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll remember that that's how that's going to go. Um, ultimately, the people of Israel, while in exile, once the Babylonian Empire is um, overtaken by the Medes and the Persians, King Cyrus comes to power in 539 B.C., and he is a different sort of king. He will say, look, I, I think these peoples will serve me better if they are blessed to go back to their homeland. And that's what uh, he does. And he commissions uh, the Israelites who are in Babylon to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild. And he commissions them. And we'll read about that uh, later on this month and into next month. Uh, the temple is completed in 516 B.C. And the amazing thing about all of this is the, the numbers add up. Jeremiah will say in Jeremiah chapter 25 that it'll be 70 years of exile for the Israelites. And whether you date that from the very first of the time that they are taken away to uh, the time where King Cyrus comes to power, that's about 70 years. And, or if you take, start in, at the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, and then you chart 70 years later, well, that's about the time that they finally get the temple rebuilt after having returned. So um, incredible statements. Again, it aff affirms the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures. And, uh, and Jeremiah's preaching is once again um, given a great uh, credibility. So let's talk Daniel, shall we? Um, we've begun reading about Daniel uh, um, about a week or so ago. And, uh, and then we continued reading some from Jeremiah and all of his prophecies during this time. And we'll be reading more from Daniel, as I said later on. But we haven't really talked about him. And these first two chapters of Daniel are very, very significant. We'll get those fun stories about the fiery furnace and the lion's den later on. But these, uh, these stories in the first two chapters are, um, have great importance and great significance. Uh, Daniel is deported with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, again in that first deportation. Uh, these are very young men. Uh, they are some of the men that those who are there with the army leaders of uh, the king of Babylon believe that these are the ones that will best serve the king and the empire back in Babylon. And so they're taken uh, before the great majority of the Jews are taken into captivity and exile um, a little less than 10 years later. So let's start reading in Daniel chapter 1, shall we? Uh, pretty exciting stuff. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia, and put in the treasure house of his God. Uh, we, we read about that several times in uh, this section of the Old Testament in this time period 
where it talks about some of the, the articles of the temple are, are taken away. I, it's always interesting to me to, to want to know what happened to them. <laughs> and my theory is one of these times when they were taken into Babylon, they were melted down and, and became some kind of god or something. Uh, we chart the Ark of the Covenant and some other items a little bit more, but uh, ultimately none of that uh, stuff can be found uh, today. No, it's not in a, um, a warehouse of the U.S. government after Indiana Jones brought it and they just left it there. That's, that's all fiction. Remember, that's fiction. It's great fiction, by the way. Um, okay, I digress. Verse 3 of Daniel 1. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. These were, these were sharp guys. Uh, they were very smart, very young. They, look, they were good-looking. They looked healthy. They were healthy, and they were very, very smart. Uh, Ashpenaz was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Verse 6, Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. It's interesting that Daniel kind of holds on to his name in the narrative, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not so much. Uh, we do see reference to Daniel's uh, Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, as uh, we go along. Verse 8, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. You see, some of that food would be unclean to the Jews, and they would not want to eat it. Um, and uh, Daniel shares that concern. And Daniel, one of the things about Daniel that we see throughout, starting right now, is his willingness to put his life on the line for the sake of his faith. He is one who is willing to say, no, I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to stop doing that, which we'll see later on. Obviously, when Daniel goes to the chief official and says, yeah, we don't want to do that, it makes him nervous because he's the one that's going to have to answer to the king if after three years they don't look so good. Verse 9, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, and rightly so, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. <laughs> and that's true. Verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. What great faith Daniel had. He said, hey, look, look, and let's give it a shot. Let's give it a try for 10 days. You come back and you see if we look so much worse than the others. Verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. 
So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Hey, can't argue with the results, right? <laughs> so that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. Verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And that's going to be important. Verse 18. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. That's a long time. Uh, Daniel spent pretty much the whole 70 years of captivity there in Babylon until King Cyrus and the Medes and the Persians come in and take over uh, the Babylonian kingdom. And that leads us right, a great segue, by the way, into chapter 2. In the second year of his reign, Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he couldn't sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Okay. Verse 5, the king replied to the astrologers, King Nebuchadnezzar, let's give him his due. This guy is sharp. He's not going to be taken advantage of. The king replied to the astrologers, verse 5 of Daniel 2, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. You see where they're going, right? Verse 8, then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time. You guys are stalling, because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you, and he's already shared it. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. He's basically asking them to read his mind. But hey, they're supposed to be able to do that. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. This is never, we've never done that before. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. They just confess that they don't have that connection that perhaps they had claimed to have in the past. I got to hand it to King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he goes to them and he tells them, hey, I just had this dream. It's really troubling to me. I want you to tell me the dream and interpret it for me. And they say, oh, king, live forever. You tell us the dream and we'll be glad to interpret it for you. Why would they say that? Because anybody can do that. Sure, I can come up with some great story that can tell you exactly why you dreamed what you dreamt, king. But Nebuchadnezzar knows this, and perhaps he's, he's fallen for that before. And so he tells them, no, 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 this one is too important. This one is too significant. Um, I, I want to know that you've got this, that you're telling me the truth. And here's how I'm going to know. 
without me telling you, you're going to know what I dreamt. You're going to tell me the dream that I had. And then I'll listen to your interpretation. And of course, they say no one's ever asked that of any human being. Can't do that. Well, as it turns out, there's one man who could because of the God that he served who could. Verse 12. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death, because that was their job too. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom intact. Um, he wasn't, he was in control, and he knew that he was going to have to do some negotiating. Verse 15, Daniel asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? He wanted to know what was behind this thing. Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. That was a very brave thing to do in itself. Verse 17, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Well, what does Daniel do? He calls his friends together and he says, Hey guys, we need to hit our knees. We need to get to praying. Because if we don't, bad things are going to happen. But God is the only one who can save us. And so they pray. Verse 19, During the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. How excited he must have been. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others, which is what the dream is about, actually. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. You have answered our prayers with a yes and have told us what we need to know to save our lives. Verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, verse 27, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. No human being can do this. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Now Daniel's going to tell him what he, what he dreamed of, and then he's going to interpret it. And it's incredible. All of this happening somewhere around 600 B.C. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, 
but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Verse 31, your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. And there's a lot of uh, uh, Bible study helps that you can go to that have some kind of drawing of that uh, uh, statue that the king saw that Daniel describes here. Verse 34, while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Don't you know the king was excited? He heard them telling him his dream. I'm sure he remembered it, and that's why he wanted to know from the astrologers what the dream was to check him out. And now Daniel has told him exactly what he saw. And now he's going to tell him and us the interpretation, and it's magnificent. Verse 36 of Daniel 2. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings, the God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they left, wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, verse 39, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. For iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. So he's talking about four parts of this statue, four kingdoms. Verse 44, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Let's talk about these four kingdoms, shall we, just for a moment? We have the blessing of being in the year uh, 2022. Nebuchadnezzar was in the year 605 BC. And now Daniel is telling him about things that are going to happen over the next five or 600 years. 
And he starts with the present kingdom, the Babylonian Empire. You are the king of kings, he tells Nebuchadnezzar. But just as we might feel a little bit uncomfortable with him saying that, he says, well, the only reason you're the king of kings is because the one true God has allowed it to happen. (laughs) But he says, you are the head of gold. And then after you, another kingdom will come, which is inferior to yours. And we look in world history and we see that the Babylonians were ultimately overtaken by the Medes and the Persians. Cyrus, king of Persia, would come and he would become the world emperor after the Babylonians. And then after that, another kingdom will come. So we have the Babylonians and then we have the Medes and the Persians. And another kingdom will come, a third kingdom. And we find this in the 4th century B.C., right around 330 B.C. And you know this kingdom. It's the Greek Empire. And you know the emperor. It was Alexander the Great, the son of Philip of Macedon. Alexander the Great in the Greek Empire, the Hellenistic Empire, ruled the day for quite, quite some time. And, um, and then he says afterwards uh, there would be another kingdom, a kingdom that would have uh, a lot of issues about it, but would still be the fourth kingdom. And Alexander the Great ruled for not, not a very long time, but he ruled the entire world. And then uh, the Romans came along, and that's the fourth kingdom. And they came along, and really in the second century B.C., from about 150 or so, 140, uh, going on until ultimately uh, the Roman Empire is uh, uh, taken hold and Augustus, Caesar Augustus, comes to power um, at the Battle of Actium in, AD, in 31 BC. Now it's the fourth kingdom, the Roman Empire. And so you have the Babylonians. We have the Assyrians before them, but they're not included because they're already gone. So we have the Babylonians, the present kingdom in Daniel's day in Nebuchadnezzar, We have the Medes and the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire, starting with King Cyrus. And then we have the Greek Empire and Alexander the Great, and then the Roman Empire. And that's where Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, really comes into play. And it's a magnificent, incredible, amazing statement. Daniel 2, verse 44, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. What kingdom is that, Bill? Well, it's certainly not America, and it's certainly not any nation, physical nation that came before us. But you remember that moment um, in John 18 when Jesus is standing before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who will make the decision on whether he should live or die, and, uh, and he talks to um, Jesus about kingdoms, and Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my subjects would fight, but nobody's fighting for me here because my kingdom is not of this world. And um, uh, Pontius Pilate says, you are a king then. And Jesus says, well, you're right, I am a king. And in fact, it's for this very reason I was brought into the world. And everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. And that's when Pilate asks, what is truth? Which is my sermon title for this coming Sunday. What is truth? Jesus had said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, uh, when Peter gave that great confession that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, um, Jesus said, upon this rock, upon that confession, upon that great truth, 
I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Colossians 1, it's referred to as a kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus talked about and established in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the kingdom that still exists today, the kingdom of God, the church, the kingdom that Daniel spoke about. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was established in the days of those kings, after the Babylonians, after the Medes and the Persians, after Alexander the Great and the Greeks, after in the time of the Romans, the time of that kingdom, and those kings, God established his kingdom that would never be destroyed and has outlived every other kingdom that has ever existed, and it always will. No matter what happens, no matter how difficult the times, no matter how dangerous things seem, God has promised and Jesus has affirmed and established that his kingdom would never end, and that is the truth. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, is impressed. Um, Verse 46 of Daniel 2. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. King Nebuchadnezzar has some experiences like this where he goes back and forth a little bit with the things that are going on, the things that he sees are witness to the one true and living God. Uh, Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it takes with him. But at this moment, he is impressed. He is impressed not just with Daniel, but with the God of Daniel, who is truly uh, the God of gods and the Lord of kings, as he put it. And that is just as true today as it was in 605 BC. It's just as true for us today here in 21st century America as it was for Daniel in 7th century BC Babylon. I hope that as you see these words and as you hear these stories, that you will be reminded that the God that Daniel served, that revealed this great mystery, that foresaw those kingdoms as if they had already happened, that saw the beginning of his church, that saw the future of God's people. I hope that you will remember that that God is your God. That God is my God. And he is every bit as much alive and knowledgeable and wise and compassionate and loving today as he was when he spared Daniel's life and the life of his three friends and the lives of all of those who were about to be put to death in Babylon. And the way he did it is by telling him, sharing about what was going to happen in the days of those kings. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. I hope and pray that you're a part of that kingdom. And I pray that you will be able to join us again this coming Thursday when we open up the book of Ezekiel. I'll see you then.